Welcome to the Class X Podcast, a podcast that looks at independent perspectives in American culture. I'm your host, Shukri, and today I'm going to look at a documentary called Bullies of Baltimore. Bullies of Baltimore is a 30 for 30 from ESPN. So if you listen to this podcast, you know that I love this uh, whole 30 for 30 project that's been going on for a while now. Uh, but what the Bullies of Baltimore does is it really embraces the mentality of the 2000 Baltimore Ravens. The mentality was of a, an old school approach to the game. And so you have this old school approach to football and kind of an old school approach to the documentary. It reminds me a lot of NFL films productions from the old the, the 80s and 90s. So if you live through that, you'll know what I'm talking about. I'll talk a little bit about that in the podcast. And I'll just talk about issues that come up in this this documentary. One is, you know, just the, the physicality and the personality of this team, why I think they were so uh, memorable. Because if you go back and if you ask someone about like, you know, the champions of the early 2000s, I'm sure the Ravens would come up for people because they were a memorable team. They are a memorable team. And so I'm going to talk about that. I'm also going to just go into some of the concepts like what is the game like today versus the past? What are the differences? For example, quarterbacking. I just did a Patrick Mahomes podcast, but is he... Would he still be great if you played in the early 2000s against the Baltimore Ravens? You know, it's an interesting question. There's no real answer for it, but I, I engage with that because if it's, they, they bring it up in the documentary. I, I think it's a natural topic that arises when you talk about physical old school football or a physical old school school anything. You know, you can talk about basketball. Would this player translate to the 1990s, to the 1980s, to the 1970s? And uh, it's a fun debate. That's what makes sports fun. That's what make makes cultural debates so interesting. And so I talk about that in this podcast as well. So thanks for listening to the Classics Podcast. Please subscribe if you haven't. Of course, if you don't mind, please share it with a friend and leave a five-star rating. Thanks for listening to the Classics Podcast. I'll see you after the music. Welcome to the Class X Podcast, a podcast that looks at independent perspectives in American culture. I'm your host, Shukri, and today I'm going to discuss the new 30 for 30 documentary, The Bullies of Baltimore. As you know, if you listen to this podcast, I'm a huge fan of 30 for 30s. They're always well done, typically thought-provoking, engaging, and The Bullies of Baltimore definitely fits that definition. This documentary follows the 2000 Baltimore Ravens and the title itself, The Bullies of Baltimore, really just speaks to the style of football that this team played. And um, one of the things I'm going to emphasize in this documentary, in this podcast of the documentary, is that the style of the doc and the team kind of had an old school element, which I really loved about the whole thing. And it got me reflecting on things. So I guess old school is the word. And, you know, the reality is, Back in the 90s and the 80s and the early 2000s in general, you know, this was a physical game, much more physical than the game of football is today. There has been an evolution with all the rule changes. So so watching this felt like, you know, going back in time, observing a, a totally different game, more physical, more aggressive, more defensive minded. And that style 
is, like I said, reflected in the documentary as well. This had an NFL Films feel to it. I don't know if you remember NFL Films, but NFL Films was basically uh, kind of like a propaganda piece for the NFL, but it was very entertaining and very educational. And I guess what it, what it, what I mean when it comes to this documentary is you, you watch the Baltimore Ravens and they're going through their season. You're watching every big game, every big play, every playoff matchup, and of course the Super Bowl. And you're really understanding the the linear experience of this team, and because of that, you know you're you're kind of like it's it's like you're going on the ride with them. And that was very that's very old school, very nostalgic for me, and I'm sure for many people who watched NFL films in the '90s. Uh, back in the '90s, it was a huge part of most young people's summer entertainment. To be honest, you know you would watch Walter Payton or uh, Barry Sanders or the 1970s. Steelers or maybe Vince Lombardi and all this film would be available. So you, you learn the history of the game in a sense. It was a uh, propaganda at its finest, really, you know, you could watch uh, your team, for example, they would have a, um, a year in a, a year in review for different teams. Your team could go two and 14. It was still going to be spun by NFL films to be a memorable season in some way. And I just love that because you could look forward to the next season, no matter what, because of NFL films and that that's old school and uh, you don't get that anymore. But you know, that this, this film really reflected that to me. So again, that's, that's the idea of this podcast. I really saw it reflected in so many ways. So you add that NFL films approach to the documentary with this uh, interview panel consisting of Ray Lewis Rod Woodson, Tony Saragusa, Brian Billick, who was the head coach, Jamal Lewis, and of course, Shannon Sharp. And there are a few others that I didn't mention, but the main participants are here to watch. And as I watched it, I realized that this team, there's a special team. I, I could see why they did the documentary about the 2000 Baltimore Ravens. One reason, the defense was obviously historic, right? I mean... No one could score on them. No one could move the ball on the on the Ravens in 2000. But also the personalities. And that's why the panel was so important. The personalities, all these guys were big-time talkers. They would talk to intimidate, talk to entertain. And that just made great content to watch. It was great to watch in this film. It was great to watch in, in the moment. You know, I, honestly, living through it, I didn't remember all the talking. I guess I should have, but, you know, to me, I didn't know the hard knock stories. I, I just I just didn't know it. But but the, the personalities obviously did stand out and um, I missed it in the moment. But I definitely got into this documentary. I've always felt like, you know, teams that are successful tend to have chemistry. This documentary and the panel showed that. When they're talking to each other, they clearly like each other. They clearly get along in terms of personality. It's it's hard to create that formula. So I do think the style of the documentary, having the panel discussion, it not only showed the audience, you know, what these guys are thinking, but it showed the audience that they got along, that they respect each other, that they just kind of love each other. And that was really nice to watch. And you could see what a good, successful organization looks like. 
especially one that was elite like the Baltimore Ravens in 2000. And that, 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 that's important. That's very important to see if you're interested in, in uh, winning organizations, I think. So what was created in 2000 and probably a few years before that was an old school approach to football. I guess you could credit, you know, Brian Billick, you can cre- credit Ozzie Newsom, the, uh, the GM of the team, and they flat out dominated the league. This team, they just shut out opponents. Teams couldn't move the ball against them. Players, there's a great scene with uh, Corey Dillon of the Cincinnati Bengals. Corey Dillon was an elite running back. He was really good in the 1990s and early 2000s. He just checked out of a game against the Ravens. He didn't want to deal with it. He didn't want to deal with them because they were so good. They were so physical. I didn't know that, but watching it, you're just like, wow, that is, uh, that's, that's something different. You don't see that often from elite athletes. I actually remember reading an interview with Sean Payton, the old uh, coach of the Saints, offensive guru, who actually was the offensive coordinator of the New York Giants when they faced the Baltimore Ravens in the Super Bowl this year of, of this year, of the year 2000. And he said that the Ravens of 2000 were like the greatest defense he's ever seen. No one even close. And so to me, that's just, you know, it's, it's undeniable when so many people are, are acknowledging uh, the, the, the high level that these guys played with. And so part of that greatness was the physicality and the physical nature and the physical level of this is pretty, it could be alarming at times. Like it, it is, it was a time where you could just uh, knock players out of ball games and it wasn't frowned upon. This documentary picked up on that. We see at the end of, uh, near the end of the documentary, as they get to the AFC title game, when the Ravens, they actually played the Oakland Raiders and they knock out Rich Gannon, the quarterback of the Oakland Raiders. And many, many people forget Gannon was one of the legends of the early 2000s, MVP in 2002, great quarterback. Ravens knocked him out of the game and they had no shame in it. It just, you know, you, you're watching it again, time capsule, right? Because you would never see something like that. It's old school, but in the QB friendly league today, it would never fly. You know, it would never fly. And I just thought that that was kind of, a, it was a nice thing to show because you are looking at this old school approach to the game and a philosophy that many people would probably look at as archaic today, but it was their life. It was what they experienced. That's how the game was played back then. On a side note, there was a topic brought up by the, the quarterback of this team, Trent Dilfer. And Dilfer, he is an interesting character because he was kind of just a subpar player. He was actually, a, he started the season as a backup of this team and he ended up winning the Super Bowl. So that's kind of memorable. But he basically says, and I had to pause it when I was watching this because I had to reflect on this. And I wonder what you think. He says that quarterbacking today, he's not impressed with it. Because if you look at how physical the game was, when a team like the Ravens was playing against you or any other team, really, it was very difficult to play quarterback. And so what Dilfer is saying is that he's not impressed with Tom Brady, for example, Patrick Mahomes. I don't agree with that. But I thought it's a it's an interesting point because I agree with elements of it. You know, the stats are definitely inflated. 
So we, we can all agree on that, right? In all sports, really. The stats are inflated. The game allows for more offense, way more offense. And I've like I said before in this podcast, you can't really compare people in different generations. It just doesn't make sense. However, my disagreement with that, because I do think this was kind of a big point that I took away from this documentary is, you know, my disagreement is that if, if it was so easy to play today, because I do think old players have a tendency to romanticize the past. If it was so easy to play today, I mean, everyone would be elite. Like, you know, there would be no mid-tier quarterbacks. Every Everyone would be Patrick Mahomes. But there's only one, right? And there's only one Justin Herbert. There's only only one um, Burrow from, from the Bengals. You know, there's only a couple of those guys in the league. And I think that is a good counter to whenever these veteran players say, Oh well, everyone you know, the game's easy now. Everyone can play quarterback. It's just not true. If it was true, then we'd see a lot of elite quarterbacks. I think, I think Dilford did come across a little bit as a, a bitter, a bitter player who, uh, who wished maybe he wished he was a higher level athlete. I don't know, but it is interesting because his story plays a big role in this documentary because the team actually chose to just go go in an opposite direction after the season. So he wins the Super Bowl and he's not invited back. I mean, how often do you see that, right? That's kind of, that's very, very different. And uh, I can imagine why he's, and understand why he's a little bit bitter, probably because of how his career ended up going. So I do wonder, uh, you know, what this documentary would have been like, because I guess this is the elephant in the room when it comes to this. Tony Saragusa dies a month after they filmed this. So I'll finish with this elephant in the room because it's kind of obvious. He's he's a huge part of the documentary. He's a huge part of the production. He's such a great personality, vital part of the team. And you just get the vibe that he became a, the core, not a core part, but the core part of this documentary be, because of his death, you know, his funeral, yeah, they start the documentary with it. They end the documentary with it. It takes on this uh, meditative, serious tone as the film progresses, and it's it's sad. I you know I don't there's a it's hard to describe because you're watching him. He's so much life, and then you realize he passes away if, like just a month later, and you know I think it did affect the filming. They decided though to to include that. I think they could have gone the opposite direction and, and just ignored it. And just said, you know, like in memory of Tony Saragusa, but they decided not to do that. And I think that was the right decision because making it about Saragusa and including his funeral and, and scenes from, from Saragusa in the, almost, like I said before, this meditative quality, I think it, it added more meaning to the film for me, at least. And I'm, I'm sure for most of the, of the wa- people who watch this documentary, so I thought it was it was it was well done. I thought they, they did a good job of uh, including Saragusa in that sense. Now, I will make two last points because I can't go, I can't talk about the the Baltimore Ravens without talking about Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis was, by the way, very controversial at that time. And so when you're watching it, you definitely get a vibe that you know there you know there is a there is a, a prominent case. Uh, that he was involved in. And I haven't really done much research about his case and what his involvement was, but you'll you'll get a little bit of it in this documentary. But as far as Ray Lewis goes as a player on the field, 
he is slash was the most dominant player that I've ever seen on defense. He was the, the I would say he was the first defensive player who I actually wanted to watch. You know, I'm typically into the offensive side of the game, like a lot of fans, but Lewis, he changed that for me. He was one of those guys, you just, he was so dominant, so athletic, you just want to watch him play. And I think it's hard to express how dominant he was um, during that time period, but he was. And so I'm happy that there's a lot of Ray Lewis footage in this documentary because you get to, you really get a vibe for why he was so good. And the second part, I was not expecting this. I was expecting the Ray Lewis stuff, but Brian Billick, he's the coach of the Ravens. He was. And he is so entertaining, so insightful, but everything he says, you just want to listen to. And I could see why he made such a great coach. So after watching this, I want to just like read or listen to any of the Brian Billick books. I know he's written a few. He wrote one with Bill Walsh. And I just want to like, engage with his uh you know his ideas because he's so insightful so funny and and so he really stands out i think this documentary would have been so different without brian billick i had no idea that he was going to be such an engaging figure in this documentary so you know boys of baltimore definitely recommend it it's two hours long at least that's what happens when you record it it says two hours it's really probably like an hour 30 hour 40 because of commercials but it's like I said before, well done. You really get a sense of, I, I would say, the old school mentality of this team. And I, I love how they mirrored that with an old school approach to to showing, displaying this team. They did it through that NFL film style. And you know, you mix that with the Tony Saragusa sort of meditative look at life and death. And I think that it makes for a, a wonderful documentary that if you know if you're a sports fan, you'll you'll want to you'll want to check out because this was a dominant team. You know, there are a few teams that I, I remember, like if you said who won the Super Bowl, you know, in the two thousands, I would probably say, Well, I know the Patriots won something, right? And uh or a few. Oh, and then the Ravens, they were always really dominant. And so, you know, those that's a team that really just stands out. It was fascinating too. Before I leave, I just thought this was kind of interesting. They showed all the quote-unquote experts, you know, predicting the Baltimore Ravens games. So, like, who's going to win the Super Bowl? Who's going to win the AFC title game? Funny to see all these experts say that they're going to lose. Some teams, they are not the popular pick. And that's one of the things I loved about this documentary they really went out of their way to show that the Ravens were not the uh they were not the New York Giants with that East Coast bias of of you know they're the Giants are always going to be good or any New York team is good they were they were the Baltimore Ravens they were a team that played defense they were not going to be you know the high rating sort of like offensive juggernaut that people want to see typically but they were still memorable. And that's what I liked about this documentary. They still they were memorable because of their physicality, because of their personality, and that really made for a great documentary. So thanks for listening to this episode of the Class X Podcast. We are going to still do the uh, part two about Theodore Roosevelt. John and I are just waiting for a time where we can actually meet up and discuss that documentary as a whole. So uh, look out for that. And uh, yeah, I have a couple things on the menu 
culture in general, sports. That's what this podcast is all about. And um, I'm looking forward to talking to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Classics Podcast. I'll see you next week. Thank mm-hmm. you.